Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to the Good Grow Great podcast. I'm Talia Toha. If you are new here, this is the segment that we'd like to call Six Degrees of Greatness. And this is the time where we sit down with one, two, three different people from vastly different backgrounds, from people who are just starting out all the way to people who have been doing things for 10 plus years in a way that is meaningful to them. And we learn and adapt and adopt everything that they're doing all the way from things that are successful to them and create these beautiful wins, but also things that don't work, epic failures even, right? And we kind of learn how that works and why certain things work and certain things just do not. So I wanted to share with you today purposeful ways to attract the right attention of people who need you, people who are just sitting around and going, you know what, I really wish somebody would help me with X. And if it happens to be that you are the person and uh, and somehow we cannot connect you and that person who needs you, it's a challenge, right? So what do we do with messaging? What do we do with our offerings? Like what do we do specifically that allows us to bridge that gap? So today, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Brandon Lucero is going to be sitting with us along with Amina Muhammad. And Brandon, what's really cool about Brandon is that after seven plus years as a business owner himself and several years of working with leaders like James Wedmore and Carrie Green, Brandon is now best known as the founder of the Video Forex Effect Methodology and sold with video.com. Now, he helps people elevate their content inside of their online brands, right, and their companies. And he's responsible for millions of views and products sold online by focusing your content and your messaging on unpacking and changing beliefs, shifting the right perspectives, and the psychology of engagement, selling, and behavior. So Brandon is going to be sharing the four pillars of video creation that can grab the right attention. And key lessons from Simon Sinek and Gary Vaynerchuk that you didn't know you can adopt today, even if you're just starting out. Also, ways to get the freedom of paving your own path and still get heard. So important. Now, at the same time, of course, we are graced by Amina Muhammad. And Amina, after working in film and television on projects like American Psycho, Amina Muhammad went on to do what she is most passionate about, which is giving back internationally to teach girls photography and journalism in a meaningful way. Now, her journey actually started as a refugee when she came to Canada with close to nothing right? Really, really impressive and just amazing. A great story. Now with her triple F photo tours business, she takes adventurers across photo tours uh, in Uganda, the Pearl of Africa. Now Uganda is of course in one of my bucket lists. So many places that I want to visit um, in so little time, but we kind of chat about so many things that can be of value to you. So be sure if you haven't already, hit that follow or subscribe or add or collect button and Grow Solvers, let's dive in. Welcome, you guys, uh, on the podcast. So many amazing stories that we're going to dive into today. And I'm so excited to have both of you guys on. But uh, I thought, Brandon, we can start with you and your work with uh, videography and creating videos to um, to tap into the psychology of engagement, I think, is fantastic. Uh, but before we dive into that, I wanted to kind of ask you, whether it's always been video for you, whether that's something you've stumbled upon, um, or whether that's something that you have encountered personally when you're trying to grow your business. If you can kind of touch on that for for a minute, I think that would be great for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, video has never been a thing. Like I, I just was not interested in it at all. Um, and then I just kind of stumbled into it. So my dad stumbled into like a video video marketing business uh years ago and he was just doing like videos for um 
like directory sites, like yellow pages that they upsold a listing to a video or whatever that his company would make it. So I eventually left, started my own business and then nothing was working. So I was like, Oh, I know video. I'll fall, I'll fall back into it. And I just kind of grew the company from there. Uh, we started a company called a brand called sold with video, where we just helped real estate agents that evolved into entrepreneurs and then teaching YouTube and then actually about three years ago, um, I decided I don't want to do that anymore. And we, I created something called the Video 4X Effect, which yes, it includes video, but it actually is more specifically around messaging. And I think a lot of people um, just think video is the solution and it's not. It's, it's, it's what you're saying in the video. What kind of content are you creating? How are you standing out? How are you communicating? Are you communicating in a way that plays into how humans process information, how their subconscious will automatically agree or disagree with you. And most people never take messaging into consideration and they just go to video. So what we help, like the real work that we do is, is really messaging, but then we put it in that container of video because it's so easy to do. Like we can do live streams, we can use our phones, we can, I mean, you can hire people to help you with it. Like there's just so many options that you have um, with it. And so we just kind of fell into that. But as we get into deeper and deeper into the video 4X effect, we're actually thinking of changing the name to something else because like we're using the same concepts in podcasts, we're using the same concepts in blogs, right. we're using the same concepts in ads and emails. And again, it's just, it all stems from the messaging, but it's just funny how businesses evolve because we've been doing video for like eight years. And then now like, we're finally at the point where like, maybe we need to not do just video, <laughs> video anymore. So it's a really, it's kind of like an identity uh, shift and, and stuff like that. But, but yeah, that's kind of how we got into it and, and where we are today. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me actually of, um, you know, the, I think the founder of GoPro, um, when he was thinking of naming GoPro, he was thinking, I think it was like a it was something very niche specific, right? Like skate and blah or whatever. I, I don't mm -hmm. think it's skating, but um, but they made that transition into, you know what, this is going to have a, a broader effect. And I feel like that's probably what perhaps what you're dealing with right now is, okay, well, this can actually apply to multiple different domains, which is great. Yeah. Um, but I'm my interest really in your work is because your approach is not, you know, tool specific, right? Because I think a lot of people, when they're sharing their work, it's so technically specific that, you know, people don't really, that's not really the goal, right? That's great. And we can use it, but it's part of a, a whole piece of puzzle really um which is which is really cool so i am kind of um curious to hear uh brandon before we expand a little bit more about um on video 4x um amina you uh also have this kind of creative streak and you are in photography which is fantastic and mm -hmm. you serve these uh these beautiful wonderful kids in uganda and what was kind of why did you start uh you know, doing that. I, I think kind of similar to how Brandon had described how he started, perhaps, um, you know, we're curious to hear what was the thought process behind that concept? Um, my family and I, we came to Canada when I was three. So that was 1972. Um, the then president, Idi Amin, which many people of my age will know, um, had uh, given us three months to leave the country, all the Indian Asians, um, born there, not born there. He wanted us all out. So um, we came to Canada in November 1972, freezing cold, nothing. Mm. We had nothing. And we, you know, it was um, a new land because you leave this uh, really warm, tropical um, oasis and you land in freezing cold Canada. Um, and uh, my parents were just in their young 20s. Uh, and a funny story, uh, I'll try to make it short, but when we landed at the Red Cross um, facility for processing, the border guard says to my dad, well, where do you want to go? And my dad had been reading National Geographic on the plane and he flips to the magazine and he says, oh, we'll go to the Northwest Territories. And the guy said, uh, there's nothing up there. What else? And so my dad kept on going, well, what about New Brunswick? And the guy goes, freezing, freezing cold, no jobs. What else? And he's like, listen, man, do you have any family? And he goes, yeah, yeah, my two kids and my wife. And uh, he goes, okay, do you have any family in Canada? And he goes, yeah, a sister in some place called St. Catherine's. Guy stamps our passport, and that's where we ended up, thank God. Because <laughs> I would have been hitchhiking a long time ago. 
Um, So I grew up um, always knowing what a gift we had been given Mm. um, living in, you know, Canada where anything is possible. You have a dream, um, you can make it work. Whereas in third world countries, girls specifically and women are not given always the choices that they want to to make for their own lives. Um, And um, when I was working in film and television, I started out in catering, moved into wardrobe and then moved into producing. And I was producing and directing my first documentary. And that was taking me back to Uganda to tell the story of the Asians that were starting to return, the Indian Asians that were starting to come home. And it was then that I saw the plight of these young women and girls. And it hit me hard because I grew up with the message that to give back was to make the world a better place because of what we had been given. And I knew then that I wanted to do something, but I just didn't know what it would be. Um, fast forward, finished my career after 15 years um, in film and television, went on to many different un- endeavors before coming back to photography. And I woke up in the middle of the night in August 2017, and I said to my husband, I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And he's <laughs> like, oh, my God, here we go again, because I'm always coming up with crazy ideas. Um, and I said, I want to go back to my home and I want to teach photography to girls. I want to change their lives using the power of photography. I had no clue how to make it work or what kind of girls I was going to teach. And I kept on, you know, um, hitting roadblocks because it's, it's a great idea, but if you don't have a support team in Uganda, it's very hard to make it work. Thankfully I had a support team. I had a really good friend who was a journalist and he said to me, it's not, you know, it's not great enough to just come and teach photography because you're giving these cameras to keep. And in many cases, they will use the camera to sell it for food. So mm. really think about which niche you're going to go after. So he said, if you teach girls who are coming out of the journalism program, those are the girls you should be teaching because you can help them then get jobs. Right. And unlike North America, you are not given the tools for your job. Like we, I can go and get a journalist job here and I don't need to know photography and I don't need to have a camera, but there they do. And they, they lack that. So it was a perfect like win-win. And um, I've made inroads with the local university. So we recruit the girls who are coming out of the university program or they're in their last year or they've graduated and are looking for work. Yeah, and I love actually that you highlight, and I want to kind of highlight that for a minute for the audience who's listening, that there is kind of that paradigm shift when you realize that the impact can be a little bit longer lasting, right? It's not just uh-huh. about giving the one camera. And I think it's similar to Brandon's work, where, you know, Brandon, you're not just teaching all the te- you know techniques and just be like, okay, hit this, hit, do this, that's the size or whatever. It's really going beyond that and um, really having a, a deeper impact by, by the, you know, it, it's really just approaching things from the point of view of the messaging and really what is it doing for the people who's listening and also for, for you as, as the business owner, right? Um, so I do want to circle back, uh, Brandon, when you kind of discovered this video 4X effect, um, first of all, let's, let's kind of give a quick overview for the audience who's listening, who's perhaps not familiar as to what that means and, and why you, you created that, uh, that concept. Yeah. So uh, going back to the whole like video thing, it originated as how do we get video working inside of people's businesses? And more specifically, how do we make more of an impact with with what we're doing, and it, we came up with three pillars, and, and it, it kind of stems from like the messaging and the video marketing background. But pillar number one was that you have to come up with the the revenue goal, but also the impact goal. So we, just, I believe that there has to be a deeper purpose in business. There has to be some kind of like impact goal. It's not just about making the money and and that impact needs to be a metric. And so um, the more money we make, the more, the bigger impact we can have. But we also just need to know where we're going so we can work backwards on how we're going to get there. That was pillar number one. Uh, pillar number two was impactful messaging. And this is really what's kind of grew the most within the, um, within the, the methodology 
And it really just stemmed from like, uh, like kind of like what I was talking about before, like how do we communicate in a way where people automatically get it? How do we remove beliefs from people that are causing suffering? And that's really the end of it. That's really what we're leaning into is a lot of people are suffering in a lot of ways because of beliefs that they have. They don't recognize that their beliefs, but it's the mm-hmm. subconscious just runs crazy and creates all this stuff. So as a business owner, how do we craft content that removes those things and, but at the same time reinforces the beliefs that are good and how do we build a business around that? And that's really the biggest one that's kind of like become like our main mission. Uh, and then pillar number three was the synergistic strategy. So then how do you deploy the content? So it's not just on one platform, but on multiple. And then the last pillar was workflows. It's like, how do you create six months worth of content in three days? And what it's, and get now what it's, what it, and we needed all four of those. Like if you wanted video working inside your business, you really needed all four of those working together. But we started to realize like pillar one, pillar three, and pillar four. So like the vision, the goals, the strategy, and then the workflows, like those are easy. I mean, you can just, you you can give it and it's a very step-by-step, you follow it. And it's just like, but where people really struggled was how do we communicate? What kind of patterns should we be doing? Like we look at like Simon Sinek, for example, who does a lot of educational content, but he never, you'll never see him do Here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. 90% of people or more who do educational content do it as step one, step two, step three. And they blend in because all the other experts are teaching the exact same steps. Mm -hmm. And what Simon's really good at is shifting perspective. He's really good at getting you to educate in a way that gets you to see something different, that, that removes a belief that may have kept you stuck. And we look at Gary Vaynerchuk, same thing, never does how to do X, Y, and Z. And so- at the end of the day, method is really designed to take, here's what you're selling. And so we can really have that impact and that revenue goal at the same, same exact time. Yeah. And I think this is so crucial because what, what we're dealing with is I think a lot of really talented people and people uh, who are really, really good at what they do, but then their message is not getting across. Right. And that's, that's a huge struggle. I think that's a huge disservice, not just to them, but also to the people that they're serving. Um, And those people cannot find these amazing, talented people who can help them if we don't get the messaging right. So um, before we get into kind of more the, the, the deeper level of that messaging and the psychology of it and how you can kind of backtrack um, into, into the goal and the mission of what you're doing, um, Amina, I wanted to ask you real quick, uh, because you, your, your work with the girls and um, you know, journalism in Uganda, um, because I think this applies as well in teaching them about you know, the, what they want to highlight, because it's not just about reporting one, two, three, you know, right? It's not just about taking pictures, taking videos here and there. It's really about the, not just the narrative, it's also about, okay, what's the goal of, you know, what it is that they're doing? Obviously, these girls are young, so perhaps we don't go quite as far into, um, you know, that level of journalism per se, but I'm kind of curious whether these things applied to you when um, you worked in, was it American Psycho, the the, uh, the <laughs> filmed and television that you had worked with? Can you explain a little bit more about how perhaps that experience inform or not inform what you do right now? Um, well, my uh, experience in film and television was quite incredible. I just, uh, it wasn't a planned career. It was by uh, chance that I landed in film and television. Um, and uh, like many others, you start at the bottom. Um, so that was, for me, was catering. Uh, but I had graduated with a diploma in fashion design. So that's how I got into wardrobe and made the huge mistake of saying, I can sew. So it took me a long time to get out of the sewing room and onto the uh, onto the studio floor. But however, I, I worked on various, many, many different films, many different shows, and then uh, American Psycho came up and I was in charge of working with the thousand extras that we had. So making sure they were all dressed up in um, period costume, everything was clean, ready to go, a lot of heavy carrying um, lot of like late nights first on set last on set 18 18 to 21 hour days so you build uh, regardless of what position you are you build a a stamina for working hard for um you know for 
having a goal and going after it and not letting anything stop you. And the experience on um, American Psycho was like no other, only because it was a tough, tough job. Um, But it was also amazing because it's a family. And that's how I teach my girls that we are one family. We come together from you know, I'm from Canada, they're in Uganda. Um, They feel that I don't always understand where they're coming from. And I feel the same. So it's about bridging that gap. And helping them to understand that my uh, venture into this is for their well being. I don't Mm. just teach them photography, but I teach them how to tell stories using the camera, because that shapes their career goals. And then after I've finished the whole year long training, the three days in country followed by two further days working with a local NGO to give them field experience followed by the year long online training. I then help them with uh, entrepreneurial and business skills doing, you know, um, cover letters, resumes, LinkedIn profiles, practicing for job interviews. Um, So it's a, it's a complete program, but it's, it has been shaped by my experience working in film, television, and, a, and, you know, a small stint in journalism as well. Yeah, and I like that you kind of, that your takeaway from that experience in, from American Psycho is that, you know, it's a, it's a family, it's a team effort, mm-hmm. and really what we're doing is just one gateway almost to multiple different, you know, ways that you can, um, you know, help these girls, and and, and so doing helping the, the people that these girls will be do, helping in the future, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is why it's so important to kind of not just think of the medium, but really what's behind it. So I wanted to kind of get to Brandon um, here on, uh, you know, you touched real quickly earlier on the messaging as kind of that second pillar that you find people have most difficulty with, right? And why, why is that? Why is it that most businesses and entrepreneurs and people who want to share, um, or even just professionals who want to share their message across have difficulty creating the right messaging? Well, I think the pro- like the biggest problem is that there's a lot of experts. So a lot of the people coming into like the online space are um, experts. They have a skill that they either offer as a course, a program um, or a service. And that's yours. That's your, like your zone of genius. That's where you have the most ex- experience where the, the experience kind of lacks is the communication, the marketing and psychology. Like typically you have to go get degrees or spend a lot of time gaining that, that not only just learning the knowledge, but putting it into action. So you actually know it as well, because you need both. There's a difference between knowing and, and, and knowledge and most business owners don't do that. So what they, they do is they stick with what they know. And so they have that skill and they just talk about the skill the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then that runs into problems because you're not the only person with that skill. And so when you get more and more experts coming in, talking about skills and their skills and their skills, and the niche doesn't grow fast enough, like anytime a new expert comes in, then you're just dividing that niche in half and then thirds and then quarters and so on. And so then they, they blend in. And the problem is, is, is a lot of the gurus or the people out there that are teaching content and messaging, they got started 10 years ago. There weren't a lot of experts. So they were able to teach their skills and their zones of genius and to build a following that way. And today it's, it's not, it's not that way anymore. You have to be able to incorporate identity and your values. And it's beautiful because you get to build an audience in a business based off of who you are and what your beliefs are and the change that you want to make. And, and you stand out because you stand for the things that you want to stand for. Um, so people just don't like, for lack of a better word, people just don't know any better. Um, there has, and like, there has to be a couple different elements coming together in order to create a really good message. And um, I would say like the first one is really knowing your deeper purpose. And, and Amina, you have a great one, but most people won't ever th- think about that. Like um, for example, copywriters will say something like, I help people write better copies so they can make a bigger impact. And it's like, no, that's, that's a result that you bring. Like that's the result. But when 10,000 people get the result that you bring, what is created in the world? That's really what you're doing. That's the deeper purpose. For me, I literally am trying to create um, a better generation for, for my kids, like the, a better world for the next generation, like my kids to help people bust society norms that cause suffering. Like that, that it doesn't matter who you are. If you're someone who's trying to make a better change in the world because there's an industry norm or a standard 
or a way of being or society norm that just keeps people trapped. Like I want to help you be able to like tear that apart and rebuild a better way. And, and that's like my deeper purpose. But when I say that, like I'm now connecting with people on a deeper level, I'm connecting with people in a way um, that really hits those like deeper layers. And again, that has nothing to do with messaging or video, like tearing down society norms really has nothing to do with video, but has everything to do with why I'm doing what I'm doing and connecting with people that believe the same thing. And so then that builds rapport that people like me because of who I am now makes them more likely to buy down the road or, or whatever. But, um, and that's just connection. That's just one piece of it. Uh, but, but again, most experts won't ever take those things into consideration because they don't, they just don't know any better. They just are teaching what they, they think that if I teach what I'm good at, people will want to hire me if I can solve their problem. And that may or may not be true, but there's just so many invisible layers that most people aren't aware of. Uh, and that's really what we help bring to the surface for, for entrepreneurs or anyone really trying to like start a business for a greater good yeah. for, for some kind of impact. Yeah. And I like kind of your analogy of, you know, the layering, you know, there are different layers and you kind of have to peel the layers off to get to really the core of, um, you know, really what, why are we doing this? Right. And I think that kind of reminded me of Tony Hawk. I know he's like a legendary skateboarder and I don't know much about his work, but I'm starting to get a lot more familiar with it, but you know, his work in, in not just entrepreneurship and his brand now, but what's really cool was when he started it, it was, it was just a bunch of little kids kind of, you know, skateboarding on, on, you know, some rails on the street and they didn't really have any place where they feel like they belong. Right. And kind Mm -hmm. of giving them a voice and an opportunity to to really okay you know what we can try a bunch of moves and we can name these moves and it'll be like the madonna i think that's one one of his moves i don't know what it was i'm not a skateboarder but um just kind of i think giving them a a future almost kind of like what you were saying brandon um in that uh, you know there is something more than just the you know the the tools and the techniques that we're doing and i think it reminded me of amina as well with your work um, with the local girls, can you actually, I wanted to kind of ask you, um, you know, when I imagine that even just teaching girls in Uganda, um, you know, how to become a good journalist, right. Or using photography for their work um, beyond just kind of the challenges of, you know, Hey, this is a camera. Like what are some other challenges that you encounter that's made your mission even more difficult and how have you encountered it for uh, people who are listening who also happen to be um, you know in in kind of a purpose-driven business the one thing I would say was cultural differences Um, even though I'm from Uganda I haven't lived there since I was three and I have family and whatnot and friends but that doesn't mean that I completely understand the culture so um, the one thing that Um, was very surprising when I started teaching is, you know, how when you teach here and you'll say to the students, you'll you'll teach the students here something and they're all talking or they're all, you know, wanting to put up their hands or make their point of view or what have you because they're engaged. There they're engaged, but they are not in a, they're they're taught in the British system um, Mm. because they were in the past under British rule. And it's very like sit up in your chair Um, be quiet and just listen, don't speak. And so I kept on having to say, do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you have any questions? And then I just, you know, it would be like silence. So it took me up until the third day of training to break down through those sort of barriers because they were afraid of, okay, I'm going to speak or I'm going to say something and she's not going to like, like it, or she's not going to accept it because she's, you know, she's from Canada and they're like Britain. And so there was all those stereotypes that I had to break down, cultural norms that I had to break through. Um, language, um, English is taught, but it's not uh, the first language. Their tribal language is the first language. And then English, even though it's widely used, some of the girls will have struggle uh, with English. So that's all, also a challenge. And then technical know-how. In school, there would be like 600 kids or girls or or students rather in university over four years with 100 cameras maybe to use. So you can imagine how much time they actually got to use that camera. Yeah. So when they 
touch a camera for the first time, you have to break it down into like serious basics. And it's like starting right from rudimentary. But in three days, the pictures that they're able to take after three days, because we do a lot of, we cover all the concepts and a lot of practice and a lot of review and all this. Um, it's heavy, heavy. It's amazing. It, it's like when you break through that and you see what they're capable of and you you see the confidence and the glint in their eye and the happiness, it's like, it makes it all, it's just so That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that actually it, it doesn't deter you. I think it, I no, think every business owners there's and, and whatever it is that we're doing right there's always these um unexpected hurdles that happen mm-hmm. in the first few years or even as you kind of grow you're like oh okay so this is the problem now and well um, if I, I i see it if you don't have problems you're not going to be able to grow like you're not going to be able absolutely. to see where you have to ebb and flow to change your way of of teaching or your way of um, you know, putting the the training together. Yeah. Um, because our goal is not to stop in Uganda. Our goal is to grow into and, and expand into other uh, developing nations. Right. And this is so important. I can, I can already think of places that I've been to that are, you know, near and dear to my heart where this is so important as well. Um, okay. And, um, and I think it's, it's so crucial, but I can imagine, doing your, the work that you're doing, even perhaps convincing the parents that this is important could mm-hmm. potentially be a, a challenge. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Some of them were, um, well, you know, you've just taken all the money, you've used it to go to university, <laughs> you don't even have a job, but what do you mean you're going to take three days out to, you know, to go learn photography and others are, they see the value. It all depends on what kind of background the girls come from. They come from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, We do work with the theme of alleviation of poverty, but what poverty means to me and what poverty means to them is very different. Um, You know, the average income uh, is uh, per month is $50 US. That's like a meal out at a restaurant here. So when you put it into perspective, you realize that it doesn't matter that this girl is, you know, she has a a nice watch on her wrist. It's still like not going to be the same value as we continue here. So I never judge a book by its cover because they're all coming from the same place. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, this is kind of the the picture that you're painting, and I think it's it's not easy, right? I think to for people to see what it is that they're needing, and what people that who you know they love are also needing, even if it's their kids. And I want to kind of circle back to to Brandon for a minute here. I think especially in the work that you do, I think even if the messaging is correct, right, even if you got all of the uh, the bits and pieces correct, sometimes it can still be challenging to, for people to, to kind of get out of their own way, right, and get out of their own objections. Can you talk about, um, you know, the role of, you know, messaging again, perhaps, and maybe parts of your video uh, 4X effect concept, the roles of that concept in uh, debunking some of those, not just ab- objections, but, um, you know, I guess mind- mindset blocks. Yeah, so, um, well, I'll just kind of give an example. So for the listeners right now, um, as you guys listen to this episode, you have already made a decision about this episode. So you've made a decision about um, if it's entertaining, if it's not, if it's value adding, if it's not, if you liked it, if it's not, you know, whatever it's, you're, you're making decisions about this as you listen to it. And the thing is, is you, that's not a conscious decision. You, your subconscious was automatically going, this is great. It's not great. It's awesome. It's not awesome. It's, you know, whatever you, you made a decision and then you're going to leave and you're going to go out without, you're going to go on throughout your day. And you're going to believe that that thought that your subconscious told you to think is reality. You're gonna think it's real. And we do this all day, every day with everything. So, um, you know, we've been indoctrinated to think things are a certain way. We've had experiences that tell us the world is a certain way. Um, That starts to form our subconscious and our subconscious starts firing things um, all, all day, every day, every single moment. And that becomes our reality becomes how we view the world. And 
and it's fine. Like it's nothing wrong with that, but where, because you can't avoid it. We all do it, even me. And, and where, but where it becomes a problem is when the subconscious starts to form those decisions or those beliefs that don't serve us, they cause some kind of suffering. And that could be things like, here's a program that you know can help you. And you automatically, as soon as you hear the price go, that's too expensive. And, and the subconscious automatically thinks that without you making a conscious decision, because a conscious decision would have been, well, can it help me? Can it help me grow the business? How much money can I make from it? Is it really that expensive compared to what I paid for college? Is it in making conscious decisions and you start realizing that, 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 maybe that subconscious belief that you had wasn't totally true. And so what we do is when we start to look at the audience that we want, we can start to identify these common themes of beliefs that have just been accepted as truths, or Mm. maybe there's firings of subconscious that are very similar. Like we get the objection of, um, of it is too expensive. Once you recognize that that's happening, you start realizing like all these objections that your audience is telling you, um, or all these things that they believe are nothing more than beliefs. You can actually use language to start revealing the flaws in those beliefs. And mm-hmm. where we stand is if there's a belief that is causing your audience some kind of suffering, then in, in, you know, and we can give you the ability to dismantle those beliefs, to move them out of it. That's the most value adding thing you can do for anybody. And um, one of my friends, Dr. Shannon Irvin talks about it as, gas pedal and brake things. Like mm. most people try to give people gas pedal things. Those are things that tutorials, the step-by-steps, all of that stuff. But if they have their foot on the brake at the exact same time, it doesn't do you any good because yeah. you're not going to be able to move forward. So what we talk about is how to remove that, that foot off the brake. How do we use language to do that? And that's also a lot of reason why entrepreneurs are stuck. Like what you're originally asking for is they get in their own way because the subconscious things that are firing, the, their version of reality, how they perceive the world is just not in alignment of where they, where they want to go. And yeah. it's, it, it's very simple. It's nothing more than, um, you know, just if you can find those industry norms in your space, in our industry, in my industry, it's, it's a normal no, industry norm that how-to content is how to grow an audience fast. That's how you mm-hmm. add value. Mm-hmm. And we go against the grain. We say, no, it's not. And, and we have, we have our language patterns that show how it's flawed. And I use them on this podcast by using Gary Vaynerchuk as the example to show that he grew faster than anyone without using endless amounts of how-to content. And then all of a sudden in that one line, the whole world, the way people perceive the reality, the way they perceive the industry just gets shattered Changes, with one yeah. line. Yeah. And, and because of that, I get to end their suffering of putting out content, like, cause they're suffering. They're putting out content. They're not growing. They're doing everything everyone tells them to do. Yeah but it's what they're doing is the exact reason why they're stuck. So I get to end that kind of suffering for them. And all I had to do was use one line with one counter example. And then now my content stands out because I stand something I'm going against the grain, but I'm also explaining in a way where their subconscious goes, Holy moly, that makes so much sense. And again, if you're a coach or you're helping people like get past their own blocks, being able to identify what those are and then using different patterns to show the flaws in it, to allow them to decide if they want to move or not. It's one of those powerful things you can do. And, and this is exactly what Tony Robbins does. When you watch him coach and you watch the language patterns, he, there's 16 of them that he just goes from one to one to one to one until he finds the one that makes sense to the person and they end up moving out of it. But we, we've taken all of that and put it into content. Yeah, I think that's terrific. And what I actually really love about your example is that, you know, it's not just about explaining or, or on the flip side of it, just about doing uh, what it is that's perhaps even against the grain, right? Like you have to do both, which I think is kind of counterintuitive. A lot of people do too much explaining perhaps in their messaging. And, um, you know, a lot of people perhaps doing uh, too much of the just doing it without explaining it perhaps in their videos. I was going to say, well, explaining is, is usually the number one problem is the reason why people's content isn't working. Because when people start to explain, they usually start, start to explain why they are right versus mm. why the current belief is flawed. And if you can show that, hey, this is your version of reality, it's causing you suffering, here's the flaws in it. People, once they realize that, they're 10 times more likely to move and to listen to what you're saying, because when you dismantle a belief like that, it's not that you're just freeing them, but you're also creating demand for what you know. 
And when right. you can get people into that place before you start teaching, it becomes way more effective. Right. And so it's, it's again, just kind of a reminder for everyone who's listening, um, you know, not just telling, but really show, right? Kind of thinking about it from the perspective of showing, you know, how to, to end that suffering, um, whatever that means in, in your industry. And I am kind of curious, though, Brandon, because in the world of, you know, how to's as you kind of touched upon it earlier. I think a lot of people when they approach a new concept or approach a new approach, they they usually perhaps ask the wrong questions, right? I think maybe in videography perhaps people ask, okay, well how long should it be? Or maybe that does apply. I don't know. Is are there several wrong questions that people should look out for and should avoid when they're trying to adopt your video forex philosophy? Well, it's, it's not necessarily um, wrong questions. It's more of just um, taking the approach incorrectly. And a lot, a lot of, the, like, for example, like I always talk about how to, you know, stand out because you stand for something mm-hmm. um, and to shift people's perspective and to remove the beliefs that are causing the suffering and really like freeing people from that. Um, but what ends up happening a lot of the times is when people try to stand for something, they do it by standing on someone else. And, mm. and that's not what we should be doing. Like we're not making someone else wrong to make yourself right because that's what you're doing. You're trying to make yourself right. And it's not about being right or wrong. It's about literally freeing people from the shackles that they created for themselves. And, and that's what, it, that's what it's about that. And that has nothing to do with making someone wrong or, or right. And you look at a lot of the, the best thought leaders and change makers out there um, throughout history, they all usually did it because they were standing up for the change that they wanted versus saying, all of you guys are wrong. Here's all the reasons why you're wrong. Here's all the stats on why you're wrong. They didn't do any of that. So a lot of people will hear what I'm saying and they'll, they'll be up and excited, but they, they take the wrong approach instead of focusing on that. What is that industry norm or the belief that's keeping people stuck and showing the flaws in it? And they just go and talk about how it's wrong and how their way better way is right and, and all that stuff. So it, it's more of like um, they just take the the wrong approach versus really asking the wrong question. I love this concept, you know, because I think a lot of people develop their, I guess, uh, values, right, and uh, mission and vision or whatever else it is that um, that pushes them forward. As you mentioned, on kind of on the almost on the backs of other beliefs, right? Which is kind of, I think what I love about your approach is really encouraging people to have the freedom not to have to do that and just to kind of uh, almost pave, um, you know, a unique way, right? Whether that's, um, and doing it courageously, right? Which I I, I absolutely love. Um, And I I, want to kind of ask um, Amina for a second here, because this kind of ties into your, um, you know, speaking of paving the way, when you um, when you're kind of approaching these girls in Uganda and their parents and teaching them to become journalists and in the future and and sharing with them all of these things that are are really important, was there a moment when um, you know you get pushed back from? Uh, I think we kind of touched on it for a minute, but uh, can you maybe? share an example where perhaps you did get pushed back and how did you uh, overcome that um, if, if you can? Um, I wouldn't say a lot of pushback because people are very receptive. What they're worried about is another, um, I'll use the derogatory term that they call, but it's <laughs> Muzungu, white person, um, mm. coming in and telling them how they should you know, live, how they should act, how they should be. You see that with, unfortunately, a lot of these at the beginning, well-meaning NGOs come um, with the message that we're going to help these people in Uganda, um, only to start demanding that they be, act, do a certain way in order to receive funding, which is, in my opinion, the wrong thing to do. Um, because what you set out to do in the in the beginning has totally flown out the window um, because you're, you're being self-serving. Because... You, when you go into another country, um, you know, even if people are coming to us uh, for many years, our neighbors believed that, 
you know, Canadians only live in igloos. Well, no, we we have a lot of, <laughs> uh, you know, we have four seasons, we live in homes, and it's just misconceptions, right? And right. same thing when you go to third world countries, you think, oh, everybody's poor, and everybody, um, you know, lives in a shack, and everybody doesn't, it's not true. There's, it's, it, uh, you know, people um, will carve their own path the way they want to yes they'll need help um, but I'm never there to tell the girls how they should act be do I there to support them in their goals Um, so you haven't really um, received a lot of uh, pushback Um, and most of the times um, it's more I'm pushing the girls to you know reach out for what they want, chase it down, take, mm. take it. Because if you want something in life, you have to work for it. It's never going to be given to you. And if it's given to you, it's never going to be long lasting because you don't have any basis behind it. There's no, there's no framework. Um, similar to what Brandon was saying is that you, he's leading these people to discover a new way of thinking. And it's so crucial because I grew up thinking I was never good enough, like many of us, right? right. I grew up um, and and that shapes you. And then when you finally break free of those shackles and you realize that you have these inner gifts that you can share with the world, it, it sort of takes a, um, you know, power of its own and it, and it carries me forth. And regardless of what other people think or say, I don't care because I'm doing something that is meaningful, impactful, and is changing lives at the end of the day. Yeah, and, it's uh, just really kind of leaning into that, the, the reason why you're doing it, right, which is kind of, it's always important. Um, and and I love when you mentioned that, if anything, it's about um, really pushing these girls to get really what they deserve in many ways, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, because many um, of them don't believe it, because they've been mm. told that, you know, um, many of them see their sisters who are married off at the age of 14, as soon as they get their period, because the family can't afford to keep them. And or they're at home while their brothers are getting an education because education is not free or they're taking care of their younger siblings or the farm or the homestead. But they're not, you know, building a future for themselves of their own making. And so um, one of my students last year when I was there, I was like, oh, so what's your plans after, you know, graduating? And um, she said, well. Uh, what did she say? Uh, no boys, only studies. And, uh, you know, many of my my friends are already talking about getting married, and I'm only 22. And I want to, to, to you know, I want a life outside of Uganda, and I'm going to get it. And that's, that was like, so powerful, because if one girl can feel that way, and carry mm-hmm. herself forward, how many others can, with just a little help? Um, just the idea of getting out right and and mm-hmm. i think that's kind of so many of us i think don't we only kind of see the problems of the people that we're serving on i mean as much as we try right it's really that's just one layer of it brandon talked about layers earlier and um there's actually so many more layers that's that's involved and um and i think you called it suffering guys believe it or not we are coming to the conclusion of our conversation so um if you guys can both just share with the audience maybe one place where they can look you up whether that's a website or perhaps a um you know an opt-in and um and then we'll wrap up the interview let's start with brandon and then we'll go to amina to to uh, finish uh, finish it off Sure. So I think the best places uh, for all of this stuff is to go to our, our podcast, The New Generation Entrepreneur. Everything we talk about um, today, we, we talk about even further there and as well how to apply a lot of this to your life and mindset and uh, your version of reality as well. That would be play, spot number one. And then spot number two is just go to I am Brandon Lucero. Uh, that's our handle on Instagram. And um, yeah, we have, again, a lot of the same content would be there. And then if you're interested in the video Forex, we do have an opt-in to get more information um, at videoforexeffect.com. And I think those are probably the three best, uh, best places to go. Great. Amina, how about you? 
Well, the one thing we did not touch on um, and briefly is that behind uh, any great initiative like this, you need sort of an engine to drive the the money that's coming in. Mm. And that is with my sister company called Triple F Photo Tours. So when we take people on a photography tour of Uganda to see the gorillas, to see safari, to do all of that wonderful stuff, three days of that itinerary is carved out to teach the girls. So not only do these travelers get an amazing experience to improve their own photography, but they get to see the direct impact of how their dollars are spent because we're teaching these girls and supporting them in Uganda. And so currently uh, the two businesses, Triple F Photo Tours and Cameras for Girls is on one, one website and you can go to triplefphototours.ca. Uh, I've just separated my main Instagram um, t- into Triple uh, F Photo Tours, and you can find uh, us also at the same on uh, Facebook. Yeah, this is. I'm so glad you brought that up because I um, this that's in my bucket list is to travel <laughs> the world, and and it's just such unfortunate timing with with COVID and everything that all of these things are, are put on pause. But um, but this is obviously important work for you, and and a fantastic way for people to learn more about you as well, Amina. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Amina, for all of you guys who are listening. I will be sharing all of those links that they had just mentioned on uh, in the show notes. So do check them out and. And, uh, and let's keep growing. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for having us. Mm-hmm.